the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. All through this Gospel, John is driving us toward belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope and pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 11? John chapter 11. Let's remember as we hear this, this is God's word. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, My brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? 
She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher's here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Amen. There's a great deal that the gospel of John has done up to this point to invite us to pay attention to what is taking place in John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is an important transition in the gospel of John. It's an important transition to the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. For several chapters, we've heard that people have been trying to put Jesus to death in Jerusalem. And John chapter 11 verse 18 reminds us that Bethany is just right outside of Jerusalem. And that when Jesus comes into this area and then goes into Jerusalem, he's going into Jerusalem for the last time because there he will carry and bear the cross and bleed and die for us. And at the end of the chapter, John chapter 11, that we did not read, but we will read, Lord willing, next week, it tells us that the leadership of the Jewish people are now plotting the death of Jesus. They're not going to just aim for it or shoot for it whenever he's in the area and says something that really bothers them, but they are going to plot it and make it happen. So this transitional point is a pivot point that we should pay attention to. But more than that, the first miracle of the Lord Jesus in the Gospel of John is described as a sign. You might remember that. If, in fact, why don't you take a look at John chapter 2 along with me, and I will, I'll show you. In John chapter 2, we're told, and if, if you have your, your journaling Bible, it, I think it's on page 14, at least for me, but there are two different versions. So just John chapter 2, verse 11. John chapter 2, verse 11 tells us that when he turned water into wine, that this was the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. John tells us that when Jesus is doing miracles, that these are signs demonstrating who he is, demonstrating his nature so that we might believe. And do you know how many signs there are in the Gospel of John? There are seven. 
In the number of scripture, seven is the number of perfection or the number of completion. It's mentioned at least 490 times in the Bible. From the very beginning when the Lord God makes the earth and has it be six days till the very end of Revelation where there are seven trumpets signaling the end, seven bowls of judgment. This number has significance in telling us that this is perfect, that this is complete, that this is right and good. And in the Gospel of John... There are seven signs. Here are the seven. The first one is this, changing water into wine at the wedding in Cana. We're told that one. The second is this, healing of the royal official son in John chapter 4. The third is the healing of the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem in John chapter 5. Here's the fourth, the feeding of the 5,000 in John 6. The fifth is the walking on water in John chapter uh, 6. The healing of the man born blind is the sixth sign. Here is the seventh, raising Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. This is the seventh and final sign. This brings it to completion and perfection, demonstrating who Jesus is. And so all of the beautiful literary composition of the book of John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit invites us to pay attention here. But the context simply intensifies the plain importance of John chapter 11. Yes, we should pay attention because the composition of this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit freights this chapter with weight. But we should also note The simple, plain reality of what happens in John chapter 11. Jesus brings someone back from the dead. Jesus brings someone back from the dead. That's extraordinary. And then note what he claims. That he will do the same thing for you. The promise that Jesus gives in John chapter 11 is life that does not die. Life that never dies. And the question for all of us this morning is the question that Jesus asks Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I'm going to run through the points this morning. I have five points, each one of them a quotation from John chapter 11. The first is, so he stayed. The second is, if you had been here. The third is, I'm the resurrection and the life. The fourth is, see how he loved him. And the last one is, come out. Five quotes, five brief points. The first one is, so he stayed. At the very beginning of John chapter 11, Jesus does something that I find, and maybe you too find it, completely unexpected. Let me read exactly what I'm referencing, and you can take a look at the beginning of John chapter 11 along with me. John chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, is for me, when I read this, completely unexpected. Verse 5 says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's unexpected. That's unexpected. John chapter 11 verse 5 tells us, all right, Jesus loves this family. He loves these sisters and this brother. He loves them so much that he is inactive for a couple of days after hearing about the fact that his friend Lazarus is sick. That is not what I would expect. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook. 
answering seven hard questions that Christians ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, more from Pastor Derek in our series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. We pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I think there are a couple of things that you and I could reasonably expect given the Gospel of John up to this point. If Jesus loved this man, I think that we could, we could expect to read, Jesus loved this family, and so he started running for Bethany so that he might heal his friend. Or he has already healed the official's son just by speaking the word at a distance, and he was healed. So maybe we would expect Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and so he spoke the word, Lazarus will be well, and he was healed. But he doesn't do either of those things. Jesus loves them, and so for two days, he does nothing, making it certain that he'd be unable to get there in time to heal the disease, waiting until Lazarus had actually died to begin going towards Bethany. Jesus, in John chapter 11, operates in a way that we do not understand, but we're told that it is because he loved the family that he operates in a way that we don't understand. I think that this can be a comfort for you today. There might be times in your life where you hope and pray that Jesus might act. And then he might seem to do the opposite of what you have asked him to do. And if you're like almost every person, you'll assume that that means, well, God actually isn't all that interested in me. Or maybe Jesus does not even love me. But John chapter 11 speaks to us that in those moments where Jesus is operating in ways that we do not understand, it's because he loves us. It's because he loves us. And so there are so many times where we may not understand, but we trust and we know that he loves, so he stayed. The other aspect of all of this is that if you ever wonder, if you ever wonder because the Lord Jesus is operating in a way that, that you don't understand, if he loves you, you can look to the cross, to the place where he saw you in all of your sin and he stayed and you can know he loves. Here's the second quote. If you had been here. If you had been here. Now once Jesus arrives, this is a repeated phrase. Martha says it, and then Mary says it. Lord, if you had just been here, he wouldn't have died. Now as I read this, I don't think this demonstrates a lack or an intentional lack of faith. I don't think that this is a criticism. I don't think that this is expressed bitterness on the part of Martha or Mary. They knew that Jesus was a two days journey away. Even if he had left immediately, he would have been too late. No doubt the person who was tasked to bring this message to Jesus, who had then hurried back to Bethany, had come after Lazarus had died because Jesus stayed two days where he was. And then he arrived in Bethany. Lazarus had been... there four, had been dead four days, in the tomb four days, so dead longer than that. And so they realized that it's not that, that if Jesus hadn't paused, that he would have been there in time. They were just commenting on the fact that Jesus was a healer. And Lord, man, if, if, you had just, if you had been here, I know that you would have done something. I know it. I know it. I know things would have been different if you had been here. Perhaps what's happening is an unintentional diminishing of what God can accomplish. Jesus had healed If he had been there, it's certain he would have healed again. But there wasn't, it seems, even the thought that Jesus could do something now that Lazarus had died. You know, death is the end. It's what we see all the time. You don't come back from death. You have a chance to get better as as long as you're alive. And throughout his ministry, Jesus had healed alive people. He had restored people who were alive. He hadn't brought somebody back from the dead. When you die, that's it. 
There wasn't even the thought that Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead because when Jesus says what he's going to do, when he tells Martha, your brother's going to rise again, she's like, I know, I know, I know. I know at the end he's going to rise again. It's not even a thought that Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm about to walk out there and bring him back from the dead. Sometimes God waits until there's no possible way, no possible way that anyone could save except God. And then God gets the glory where it seems all is lost. Then God glorifies his name at the time where it seems all is lost. Think about when Israel comes up to the Red Sea and he's done the work of bringing them out of slavery in Egypt. And then the Egyptian army shows up. And one can imagine that all of the prayers would have been like, if only you had kept them in Egypt, we could have found a way around this Red Sea and to this promised land that you're bringing us to. It seemed like all was lost. But then Jesus did this unexpected thing and he parted the Red Sea and the people walked right through. And that thing which seemed to prevent them from being saved was the means of their salvation. Or think about When Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego refuse to bow down to the golden calf and they are arrested and they are ordered to be executed. And if I had been there, my prayer would have been like, Lord, if only you had prevented them from being here so they would not experience this tragic death. And then they're thrown into the fiery furnace and that thing that we assume is going to kill them. Well, it kills all the enemies all around them, but they're fine. Their hair isn't even singed in this flaming furnace because the Lord God takes what we assume would have killed them and uses it for their deliverance. And here, as Jesus comes to Bethany and Lazarus is dead, there's not even an assumption that Jesus can do what he's about to do. Man, if you'd just been here just one week ago, if just one week ago, if you'd been visiting, Lazarus would still be alive. Instead, he says, no, 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 no. I'm going to call to him and death is going to run away and Lazarus is going to come out. Here's the most beautiful. Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem and he will die. And even his disciples think that that means that it's the end. There are two people who are walking on the road to Emmaus and Jesus comes and walks with them. And they said, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. They thought that death was the end of it. Here's what Jesus demonstrates on the third day. That just at that moment where it's clear that no one but God can save, he uses that thing that that all of us would have assumed would have prevented us from receiving salvation. He uses it for salvation and he, instead of his ministry ending at the cross, redeems by the cross. Hallelujah. We're astounded by the miracle because we... In our own minds, however unintentionally, diminish God's power to save. Maybe there's a friend that you've been praying for for a long time and you are about to give up because they seem beyond hope. But God can raise the dead. Maybe you're at the end of your own financial resources and with rapid inflation and crazy rising gas prices, you feel like all of the walls are closing in. But God can raise the dead and he can provide for you. Maybe you are actually facing your own death or your own mortality. Maybe you are realizing the fact that you will die. And maybe much of your life is distraction because if you pause, you realize that it's all going to end and it goes by all too fast. Maybe you're at the point where you realize my time is no longer going to be counted in decades. It's years now. Or maybe years is itself optimistic. Maybe it's months. Or maybe months is optimistic. And you're like, I or somebody I love only has days. Well, let me tell you, God raises the dead. And time will carry you and me 
and everyone that we know if the Lord tarries to our end. And the beauty that Jesus promises us in John chapter 11 is that as you or I are forced to part with all that we know and love and hold dear, it's the good shepherd who will greet you on the other side and tell you to come on out. And death will flee. And you, his child, will get up because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And that's what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. Let's just hear these powerful words of our Savior together from John chapter 11. Let's hear these words again. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Let me read that again. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Hallelujah. That is an astounding promise right there. Whoever lives and believes in the Lord Jesus will never die. If you trust in Jesus, even if you die, he will bring you back from the dead. That is beautiful. And that is true. Jesus is the one, the only one, who offers to us hope at the moment where we would seem absolutely hopeless. At the moment where it seems like everything is done and it's all come to an end. Jesus says, hey, even though you've died, you will live. And then, because he asks her, hey, do you believe this? I love that Jesus asks, hey, do you believe this? It demands a response, right? He's not just making this claim that he's able to save from death. He's like, all right, there's the claim. But he's like, hey, this is a claim that demands a response. And it actually demands a believing response. All right, so I am the one who's able to save from death. Do you, Martha, do you believe this? And I love that as we who are here in Orland Park, 2,000 years after this has taken place, as we read this, we have the same question that's pressed to us. Because as Jesus offers us this claim that he is the one that's able to redeem from death, this is a claim that demands a response. Do you, you who are sitting here this morning, you who are watching this morning, do you believe this? Amen. Amen. It's a question that demands a believing response. Yes, I believe. So let me ask it, and let me hear what Orland Park CRC has to say this morning about all of that. Do you believe this? Yes. Hallelujah. Man, I'm ready to close in prayer right now, but I've got two more points to get through. <laughs> Hallelujah. Here's the fourth. See how he loved him. Jesus, you see, Jesus knows what he's about to do. I mean, when he was with his disciples at the very beginning, he says that he's going to go and he's going to bring Lazarus back from the dead. As he talks to Martha, he says, your brother's going to rise again. He knows what he's about to do. And they take him to the tomb. He knows that he's about to bring his friend Lazarus back from the dead. He knows he's going to speak a word and death's going to run away and Lazarus is going to get up. And yet something astounding happens. In the shortest verse of the New Testament, Jesus sees all of the sorrow of all of those who have gathered around the tomb. And Jesus weeps. Jesus wept. Now, boys and girls, not just a good verse to choose if you have to memorize a verse of scripture for Sunday school. As a kid coming up, I used that once a year. You know, you had to go memorize one verse of scripture and then I get there. John 11.35, Jesus wept. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm thankful for gracious, patient Sunday school teachers like we have here at Orland Park CRC. But it's also it's remarkable, right? Because Jesus, he knows what he's about to do. He knows that he's literally minutes away from seeing Lazarus alive again. He knows that all he has to do is say, Lazarus, come out, and Lazarus will come out of the tomb, and there will be no more sorrow, and there will be no more pain like we just sang about. And yet, when he sees all of the sorrow of those who have lost Lazarus, he, he cries. And he doesn't just cry, he weeps. This is, not just, this is not just shedding a tear, this is sobbing. Jesus sobs because he sees death and he knows how wrong it is. Death is not the way it's supposed to be. Death is not the way that the Lord God created the world. And any one of us who's lost somebody near and dear to us to death knows how wrong it is to suddenly be severed from that one that we loved and needed and relied upon. And more than that, it's a reminder of what Hebrews tells us, that Christ Jesus is a high priest who is who's able to sympathize with us in our weakness. Because he's like us in every way, with the one exception that he never sinned. Because of that, when Jesus sees the pain of those around him, he weeps too. And that means that the one that we have in heaven, interceding at the right hand of the Father, is not unmoved by the pain that you feel and experience. You know, it's actually kind of amazing. John chapter 11 ends with less fanfare than you would expect, doesn't it? Jesus says, Jesus says, take away the stone. And that's it. Then it's like story over. There's not much fanfare. It's two verses. Jesus just cries out in a loud voice. And he's like, he lets everyone know what he's doing. He's like, he prays and he says, Father, I know that you hear me. I need to say this prayer so that everybody around here knows what I'm talking about. I want to speak loudly enough because we are tempted not to believe. And he cries out in a loud voice. Not because, you know, he has to cry out really loud so that Lazarus can hear him through death. No, but so that the people around could see what Jesus is doing. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.